0: Outdoors I always say is the ultimate leveller because if it rains, it rains on
1: all of us and there's something really special about a place that doesn't hold any judgement. Welcome to Get Outside the Extreme Sleeps Edition, brought to you by Ordnance Survey. The mountain was my headboard, the grass was my mattress, I, I just felt so good. In it, Outdoors writer Phoebe Smith outlines her epic high altitude camping challenge.
0: I can reveal there will be some cliffs. A very large tree, a prominent skyscraper, a gorge and a stadium.
1: Tells a few adventure tales.
0: Suddenly the lightning struck on the rock just next to us and we both looked at each other and said, yeah, we probably should get down. So we had to abseil
1: off very, very quickly. Explains why wild spaces matter.
0: The reason I love looking at this map is one, it's of my favourite place. Two, it's on my mum's mountain.
1: We'll hear how extreme sleeps have meant raising funds for a youth homelessness charity.
0: We get to choose to go and sleep in these strange places because it's quite fun. But actually there's a lot of young people out there who don't get the choice and they're sleeping in some very strange places because they don't have a home to go to.
1: And detail how you can start wild camping adventures all of your own.
0: You don't have to go alone like I do. Take a willing friend or ask around at work. You'd be surprised how many people
1: kind of itching to try it and don't. For outdoors, inspiration and information, head to getoutside.uk and stay with us for Get Outside, the extreme sleeps edition with Phoebe Smith.
0: So we're at Windsor Great Park lovely bit of green space there's lily ponds, streams, there's some sort of manicured gardens, some more kind of wild woodland and it's beautiful it it just goes to show you know you wouldn't think what 19 miles from central London that you would have all this green space that you can go and explore in. It is actually raining
1: really quite hard though.
0: (laughs) I don't think you should ever let, let that put you off for a little walk in the park.
1: Now, Phoebe, you are famous now for wild camping in some extraordinary and extreme locations, but how did it all start for you?
0: I was never into camping when I was a kid. You couldn't have paid me enough money to make me camp, but I found myself in Australia sort of 12 years ago, and a friend asked me to go and sleep in a swag bag, which is basically a cover for your sleeping bag, out in the red centre, so the middle of the outback, And the briefing we had from the guide before we went to sleep was a list of all the things that could kill us in the night, from deadly snakes, to spiders, to scorpions, to even ants if they bit you enough times. And I was really like, why have I agreed to do this? But it was an incredible night. It was seeing the light play as the sunset on the rocks. It was seeing the stars come out. And then it was waking up the next morning to not only a wonderful sunrise, but that feeling of exhilaration that Oh wow look I did it and I survived it and nothing did kill me and so I thought well if I've done this here and pushed my comfort zone because I'm like literally the other side of the world why have I never done it back home and so I kind of made a pledge to myself that when I got back home I would start to become a tourist in my own backyard and take that traveler mentality back with me so I decided one fateful day I was going to go and wild camp on my own I was met with kind of a wall of things are going to go wrong and you're going to be attacked and mugged. and But I'm quite a stubborn woman. So I was like, no, nope, I'm going to be fine. And it was pouring with rain. It was so heavy that the rain was bouncing upwards from the, from the tarmac. But when I arrived, it completely changed. And I had blazing sunshine, the likes of which I've never seen. And I grew up in North Wales and everything seemed really great. And I conquered my first summit and I felt really good. And then the inevitable happened, you know, it, it got dark. I was falling asleep and I heard footsteps outside the tent and suddenly everything I told those, those naysayers was going to be that was now outside my tent. And I was convinced there was like an ax murderer coming to get me. And I had to steal myself to kind of open the tent door. And I looked outside ready to meet my maker sort of thing. And, um, yeah, it was just a rabbit because it's always just a rabbit and I thought, come on Phoebe this is silly so I, I fell back to sleep had a really good night's sleep woke up the next morning the mountain was my headboard the grass was my mattress I, I just felt so good and by the time I got back to my car I was really badly sunburned I'd run out of water I'd been got midge bites all over me but I never forget catching sight of myself in the rear view mirror in the car and just seeing this really unglamorous kind of spotty red sweaty face looking back and thinking I've never looked any less glamorous but I've never looked any better like I feel like I could conquer the world now and it was from that moment I was this sort of wild camping addict and I just wanted to push these sleeps
1: further and further. Do you see it's more as going from something or going to something? People when they pass me are like why is she going out when we're going back
0: in but i always say i think it's the opposite that they're actually going out and i'm going in because when i find myself in in the wilderness in the, in these wild landscapes i do feel like i'm connecting with something more. way and in, in some ways you're disconnecting from the madness of emails and social media and all these things that attempt to distract us but you're reconnecting with the natural world and there's nothing so incredible feeling and so Kind of fulfilling about that, and suddenly everything you thought was really important—your deadlines, your your to-do lists—they're suddenly not so important anymore because you're, it's just about being in that moment and enjoying it. And then the best thing is always the morning. It's always because often I'll walk in somewhere and it's dark when I walk in, so even though I've looked on my map before I go in and have a good sense of the terrain, I've not always seen it before. So the morning is always what I call my reveal moment, and it's that moment when I open the tent door or the bivy flap and I. I actually get sight of where I am and it never fails to excite me and that can be whether it's a snowstorm whether it's just claggy mist everywhere or whether it's gorgeous sunshine it doesn't matter it's it's that thrill of like here's something new and I'm doing this and I can do this and it's it's wonderfully liberating.
1: And what about those really extreme sleeps what challenges have they seen you take on in the past?
0: I've Slept at all the extreme points of mainland Britain by myself on consecutive nights. I'm on the top of Snowdon on my first of my sleep three peaks for Centrepoint. As you can see it's a little bit windy but then I am on the summit of the highest mountain in Wales trying to get a good night's sleep. I gave up my Christmas last year to uh, sleep the three peaks so slept on the summit of Snowdon followed by Scarfell Pike and Ben Nevis to raise money for homeless charity. I really wish I could show you the stars because they look I'm always kind of looking for the next kind of ultimate pitch and you know from mountaintops to caves to hanging in the trees I'm always trying to find just a really exciting place to spend the night because you know why can't the nights be as much as an adventure as the days.
1: You say you're looking for the the next ultimate pitch, and what is that? I'm setting out to do what's called the Extreme
0: Sleep Out. This is an event that myself and two friends, John and Ollie, have devised. And it's basically, there's a wonderful charity called Centrepoint, which is a homeless charity that helps young people between the ages of 16 and 25. And the idea is, by helping them with either getting an education, with getting skills, with getting somewhere safe to live, it stops them becoming a long term homeless person and kind of nips the problem in the bud, really. Morning, everyone. We are in Scotland. We are Team Extreme on the Extreme Sleepout for Centrepoint, the Young People's Homeless Charity. We are heading north and going to be revealing our first sleep on this rainy day very, very soon. I'd often thought, you know, I do this, Sleeping in Strange Places, wouldn't it be great if I could do it for good? And, and actually, someone else would benefit from me doing it, not just me. And I did another charity event with Ollie and John called the Big Canopy Camp Out. And I thought, wow, we did that. So why don't we do something like this now with ropes and getting up high, and let's do something that no one's ever done before. So it kind of snowballed from there. Hello from Strathy Point. That's right, this is our planned sleep for the Extreme Sleepout Night One. So we ended up picking out 10 different places, starting in the far north of Scotland, with crazy sleeps on both man made buildings and natural landmarks. It's proved difficult getting permissions for all of them, but it's definitely going to be extreme, even for me. For the most of the time, we'll be sleeping on something called a porter ledge. Basically, it's like a platform, a sleeping platform that you hang from a rock or from a tree. Finally, in the porter ledge. It was pretty hairy getting here. There's a lip of rock to climb over, which, you know, not my strong point, not many people's strong point. Dangling into thin air, really. The ledge, of course, is freely suspended, and as I'm trying to get into it, it's moving around, there's
1: re clipping, reclipping, there's hanging stuff up. So that's sleeping on portal edges, I mean, how on earth do you train to learn how to do that?
0: I took the opportunity to go cliff camping in Colorado in a place called Estes Park, which is just on the border of Rocky Mountain National Park. I hired a guide, and we set up this, it was on a side of a cliff, this beautiful view out over the mountains and trees. And we were just sitting there. We had some lunch on the ledge and we started to haul up all our gear. So we'd set it up on the ground, ready to pull up a bag with sleeping bags in. We were just getting settled and suddenly we heard thunder. And uh, we looked over and we could sort of see it was in the distance. So we both said, "Well, we'll, well, we'll leave it. We'll be fine. It might just rumble on by. It kept rumbling louder and louder. And we kept saying, oh, it's fine, it's fine. And then suddenly the lightning struck on the rock just next to us. And we both looked at each other and said, Yeah, we probably should get down so we had to abseil off very very quickly and try and dismantle the portal edge take all the bits down and then of course we still had the 45 minute walk out which became a 20 minute run as the lightning was flashing all around us you can manage wind you can manage rain but lightning strikes when you're surrounded by metal on a rock face yeah definitely the right thing to do is to leave (laughs) and how easy is that to sleep People have asked me if I'll be scared and if it will be uncomfortable sleeping in one. And i said actually it's going to be very strange to be like for ten full nights with two other people. I said that's going to be the, the real hard bit for me. We'll be firm friends by the end or we'll not be speaking to each other ever again.
1: <laughs> There's nothing as enjoyable as a hot drink in the rain. It is such a treat. <laughs> heading out to do some recording with... An extreme sleeper because she comes with a, <laughs> a a little mini stove
0: never never want anyone to be uh, hungry or thirsty so biscuits coffees well cappuccinos not just not just a regular coffee and so yeah that'll boil up nicely while it's thundering somewhere over there I bring in the thunder from Colorado
1: we're huddled It's huddled. Are we huddled? We're huddled, i say. We are technically (laughs) huddled. In a pavilion-y type thing in Windsor Great Park uh, by a lily pond. It's raining. It is hammering down. It's thundering. It's thundering. (laughs) So we've sought shelter, which strikes me as by far the most sensible thing to do. A (laughs) hundred percent, So we've just had a cup of tea. And on your lap, you've got some maps. I do. So talk us through. What have you got there? Which one there? So this is the Explorer 17.
0: This is Snowden. This is my favourite map because so I grew up on the edge of Snowdonia National Park and my mum, who sadly died in 2001, we scattered her ashes on a mountain called Trivan in Snowdonia. So the reason I love looking at this map is one it's of my favourite place, two it's of my mum's mountain and so when I look at it I can read all these contour lines all these crags I can see them in my mind as I'm looking at them on the printed page I've spent many a happy night up on the range which is known as the Glidders which you can see you've got Glidevaag, Glidevaag. Then you've got Bulk Triven that takes you on to Triven itself. And it, it's just such a wonderfully accessible, but feels very proper mountainous uh, place in Britain. So you can see all these, not only the tight clusters, but all these little black lines on to show the crags. This is prime, what we call scrambling territory, which is kind of the the um, the kind of the gray line between walking and climbing, which is, so you have to use your hands to steady yourself. So you're sort of climbing, but it's not so technical you need a rope and a harness and a and a helmet and all that. But it's it can be really, really exciting. So between Trivan and Glidevach, you can do this thing called the Bocluid Horseshoe. And you have a lovely ridge here called Bristly Ridge, which I think is such a great name for all these little spiky rocks that you have to kind of climb your way through. Uh, and on the top, you just have some amazing features. Uh, so you have something called Castelli Gwent, which means castle of the wind. Uh, and it's it's almost, I describe it as like a collection of shards of rock that look like um if a giant was throwing darts into a dartboard, They kind of landed all together a cluster like in that bullseye and it's just a spectacular sight and I've been up here every season and in winter it's particularly spectacular because all the rocks have got that coating of ice um, and Castelli Gwint suddenly looks like you know the frozen fairy tale castle Um, but it's any time of year really and 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 it's funny a lot of people will go to Trivan or the two gliders, Glidevar and Vach but if you just walk a bit further past them to places like Egon and over onto the top of what they call the Electric Mountain, which is Alidavar and Volgok, you'll hardly see anyone because people just don't seem to go that way. So it just goes to show even on a popular ridge, just going a bit further than everyone else, going away from the kind of well-beaten track, uh, you can have a place completely
1: to yourself. And you mentioned that within here is your, is your mum's mountain. Yes. Why is it her mountain? So when, she, when we knew she wasn't
0: very well... It was obviously very difficult to discuss with her what would happen when, when we lost her. Um, but I, for whatever reason, one day, uh, we were driving back from, from Chester, which is you know an English border town with, with North Wales. And I said, what would you want to happen with you? And um, she said, oh, I think I'd like my ashes to be sprinkled on Trivan. And when I asked her why, we happened to be coming up down this hill, which you come down to not long after coming into Wales, called Riash Hill. And on a clear day, you look out and you can see Snowdonia in the mountains and you can make out Triven distinctly because on the top it has two rock pillars almost, which they call Adam and Eve. And the very, very brave slash slightly insane people will jump from Adam to Eve to gain the freedom of Triven. But because of that, it's very, very noticeable from any other mountain. So she said she wanted it there because... No matter if, I'm, if you know, I lived somewhere else or you know, moved abroad or whatever, whenever I came home, I'd have to go down that road and I would see that and think of her. And it totally works because even if it's behind cloud, I still know it's out there and I, I think of her every time. It's better than any sort of headstone could ever be. Um, and now when I'm on Triven, I just really feel like she's there with me. Um for you know whether she is or not, no matter what you believe, there's just something quite spiritual about being there on that mountain for me.
1: Maps can be about memories as well, can't Definitely.
0: they? Definitely. Yeah. This is this is yeah, like I said, it's like opening a, a book and looking into my into my family. So this is OL uh, well, four. This is one of the English lakes, the northwestern area. And I chose this one because Buttermere Lake is one of the prettiest lakes, I think. The reflections you can get of, you know, High Style and High Crag and Fleetwith Pike on a clear day it's just the stuff of landscape photographers dreams but also i i I like this place called the annadale forest which is um a project to rewild this woodland and i went walking with a ranger there they encourage you to get off the path so to not follow the path and it's so subtle and the, the great thing about the ranger was i said to him but you'll never see the full extent of it and he said but that's that's the great thing is i know i see the beginnings and i know where it's going to go. And I found that just quite humbling that he felt that way. And of course, if you want somewhere that's not quite as wild as a wild camp around here, Black Sail Hut is one of the most remote hostels. Oh, it's a spectacular valley to spend the night. The stars you get down there are wonderful. And then you can nip up to your Haystacks the next day, which again, beautiful, beautiful little mountain.
1: Could we do a quiz if I said, <laughs> if I said 34?
0: No. <laughs> I know seventeen by heart. I know the lake
1: districts is four, five,
0: six, seven. I think Dartmoor's twenty-eight. No, no, it is, look. Oh it is! Oh okay. Oh,
1: twenty-eight. Oh well, there
0: you go. You see you know you know the, the favourites, don't you? But
1: <laughs> anyway, on to one three nine.
0: On to one three nine, which is Biddeford, Ilfracombe, and Barnstable. I picked out this one, so I did a very cool wild camp down this way. And I like this particular area which is around Peppercombe. There's a wonderful National Trust Bothy that you can pay to stay in, which is relatively inexpensive to your family. But personally, I like it for a beach sleep. So um, it's had a real tradition on this area of people building driftwood dens to sleep in. So they collect the wood that washes up on the shore. And because there's always a bit, you can see from the map, that there's always a bit that sits above the, the high tide mark. There's enough beach that you can actually do this. I went there with the intention of building my own driftwood den. And there was another one there ready-made. And it turned out these two little boys had been there building it. And I said to them, do you mind if I spend the night in it? And they thought it was amazing. And they were pleading with their dad that they could do it. And he was like, no, you can't sleep out on the beach. Um, But I like to think the idea that they went home knowing I'd slept there means that one day they'll go back and do it themselves.
1: This is superb. I want to go to all these places. This is the only only problem.
0: (laughs) This is it. This is what maps can do for you. There's only Um, six of them as well. (laughs) Okay, this last one. So I've jumped... This is a land ranger map. So this is the one with uh, 1 to 50,000 rather than 1 to 25. This is number nine, which is Cape Wrath. So, What a great name that is, isn't it? Such a great name. So I've chosen Cape Wrath because... I, I really do adore the northwest kind of coast of Scotland. I think it's so wild, it's so remote, it's so difficult to get to. You know, it's several hours drive, even if you fly up to Inverness, it's still quite far. You'll see there's a lot of water on it, because we're talking about being by the coast. Cape Roth itself is there. You can see it says Danger Area oh, yes. on some of the maps. So that's because all this area here where you see the danger area, the military still train here. So you have to either call ahead or look for the flags, Uh which you'll know from Dartmoor is a a very similar thing. But there's a lighthouse here, which technically is never closed. So if you want to get to it, you can walk along the coast, which is quite a long walk and quite a committing one, or you can get this little ferry. You can see it's in the summer only. They do a shuttle that runs. But say you arrive afterwards and you go knocking on the door at three in the morning, they will come and they will make you food and drink and they will (laughs) always be open for you because, I guess... People never really do that. But particularly my favourite area is this down here. So this is Sandwood Bay. And the great thing about this beach is it sort of goes over, what, nearly three kilometres altogether, um, but you've got a lock on one side, then you've got the sea on the other, and you literally, you're looking out and it's just sea in front of you. The only way you can get in is by uh, parking your car at Blairmoor and walking in. So it's, a, it's about sort of a, what, six kilometre meandering. But because of the inaccessibility of it, because it's hard to get to this part of Scotland, because then you have to walk to get to it, there's hardly anyone that goes there. And that sand is, it is like golden sand. It's like being somewhere in the Caribbean on the right day. And you get surfers, the hardy surfers coming, and they'll surf from this and carry their stuff in from that car park. You can sleep on the sand dunes there. There's a bothy up the way, which you can see marked. So you see every single map, no matter what you're looking at, at first it might just see like a whole collection of squiggles, clusters, contours, bits of water, but it all can tell you so much if you just learn how to read it. There's so
1: much to do and to discover. Yeah. I'd to go there. <laughs> so if people are thinking, okay, Phoebe Smith, I am now inspired. Of course there's a wealth of tips and guides at getoutside.uk but what are your five get outside steps to starting wild camping?
0: The thing that I always do myself is I always have a bag packed ready, which I call my go bag. And I keep that sort of normally in the boot of my car, maybe by the front door. Uh, And it's just because you will always find an excuse not to do it. But if you have the bag packed with everything you need, so it has all my camping stuff in, you know, my sleeping bag, my tent or bivvy, my extra layers, food, gas, and a stove, it's got it all ready to go. So it means when the mood takes me or if the weather window's right, then I'll, I'll head off. So I think the first thing you should do is have that bag packed, ready to go. I think the second thing you should do is get a map of your local area and look for somewhere you're sort of familiar with. You want somewhere that's reasonably flat, close to water source if you can, so you can source water, obviously purify it first but away from paths away from people's houses definitely watch the weather Uh, maybe don't go on your first one when it's like how we're experiencing this rain right now because you probably won't have a good time that you'll remember for the right reasons so yeah watch the weather and go with good weather i'd say you don't have to go alone like i do take a willing friend or ask around at work you'd be surprised how many people kind of itching to try it and don't and then i would say finally make sure that you definitely take treats with you so i met a girl once who went on her first wild camp and decided to take a salad now this is not the kind of venue where you need to worry about healthy eating you are burning everything off with your walk-in with your activity so have the stuff that you really want so that it's a treat so for me i'm a chocoholic so there's always hot chocolate for bed and some chocolate as well. Some people might be a cheeky sort of tipple of wine, others, it might just be sweets, it might be whatever it is. My motto is always enjoy, not endure. So that's definitely what you should take with you. Obviously, there's the whole legal issue behind wild camping. So in Scotland, you can pretty much wild camp anywhere, you know, respectful of people's properties and sort of far enough away, but pretty much anywhere because you have the right to access in the rest of the UK apart from Dartmoor which because of a quirky old bylaw you can wild camp in some areas there Everywhere else you're technically supposed to ask permission now this is often wildly impractical and often impossible to find out who owns the land so I think as long as you kind of follow the rules of arrive late leave early you know, pack everything out, and this is everything, including toilet paper. And I always take a rubbish bag with me to take other people's rubbish if I find it, because I think rubbish breeds more rubbish, we know that. So if you can take out everyone's trash, then you have a much greater chance of keeping a place beautiful and
1: not let it get spoiled for everyone else. And a final thought about you and the wild spaces. How do they make you feel? These wild spaces just allow me
0: the space just to be without me having to define any of what I am and without me having to, to kind of be anything but just me in that moment. I think I'm, I'm as guilty as most of us that, you know, my life is kind of governed by really quite tight deadlines of fitting so much in, of running around. And, and it's very easy to not take the time to just sit, stop and just notice and just be a little bit mindful of everything. And, you know, you can go out for a walk and you know whether you're going to sleep there or not but just going for a walk even i find can sometimes really clear your head and just kind of just calm things down and just slow things down and and yeah it is just that space you just the outdoors i always say is the ultimate leveler because it doesn't care whether you're a man or woman whether you're rich poor whether you're fat thin the color of your skin what you believe in none of that because if it rains it rains on all of us And if it's sunny, it's sunny on all of us and there's something really special about a place that doesn't hold any judgement and you can just go and be in it.
1: For more on wild camping and stacks of other outdoors inspiration and information, head to getoutside.uk